on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast, hosted by Dave and Johnny. Um, Dave, you are back on this time zone. You're back in Ireland. We're in the same country again now, which is nice. Yep, just across the city from each other. We're getting closer <laughs> and closer again. Um, well, we, we had drifted apart for quite some time, but uh, yeah, got Only back. Only physically, not, not emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got back, yeah, got back on, on when was it? Oh, Saturday or Sunday or something, I can't remember. Still, still half jet lagged here, to be honest. And... But managed to get to watch a lot of golf, which is the advantage of being up at weird hours in the morning. Also, the advantage in Dubai and the golf there because it was on kind of late in the evening. So you had plenty to watch and plenty to see. Mm. So for anyone that I guess has been trying to catch up over the last few weeks, you obviously in Arizona, then San Francisco, then back in Arizona. But since we spoke last, you were at the PGA show. I was, which is a collective of all things golf to be honest it's everything from apparel to technology golf technology to golf tourism which obviously is the side that i was there on from an irish perspective which was great there was uh god we had over 20 i think it was 22 23 courses and golf trade operators over there kind of selling ireland to um to the american audience to the pga network to golf buyers over there so it was great it was fantastic it was great to see an in-person event go off so well um fairly lax on the uh, covid restriction bits <laughs> and pieces which was great which was great because it kind of made it a bit more personable um for everybody who was there but it was pretty cool to see some very cool stuff from the technology side as well a lot around kind of golf ai around technology from everything from trackman were there to swing cat and all those kind of golf nerdy companies to the companies who sell like the boards that exist on driving ranges to tell you what the yardages were to each of the flags that are there that kind of thing so you have absolutely everything there um one of these massive enormous convention halls that you're kind of stereotypically would think that you'd see in in this in the u.s and it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was it was eye opening at times to see the I suppose the scale of some of those kind of wholesale companies that exist. The amount of clothing brands that exist <laughs> in the golf world over there is mind blowing. Um, but yeah, pretty cool to see it. And uh, we had really good golf media day. Machinella hosted it with the a panel that included the guys from Rossapena, from Adair. Royal Port Rush and actually Tourism Ireland as well, which is great to see. Machinella was really, really good um, in kind of getting the uh, getting the message across, really, of kind of the Northwest, that whole story. Um, and Stephen Walsh was over there playing a few tunes for everybody to listen to. So, yeah, it went well. It was really good. It did seem, from my perspective, that the entire Irish golf industry was over there with you. You go on Instagram yeah. or LinkedIn, it's just like, oh, delighted to be here at this event and representing <laughs> Ireland. You're like, Jesus, the entire fucking country's gone over there. It was. If it, like, it does feel like that because I suppose a lot of the faces that you'd come to see from, I, I, a lot of, I suppose, golf, golf course management in Ireland has been quite visible. Um, so you'll see a lot of the people or, or the stories that you would have seen, particularly around when things were not great, and the likes of the guys at Karn and um with with uh jerry and fiona there for example and they're them telling their story and then john and frank from ross Penna telling their story with the new course etc um put rush hosting the open so the guys from rush were really happy to be there and telling that story so you that role has become quite visible so as you said you go onto linkedin and you see it everywhere um and it makes it yeah it kind of it, it's become a lot more um apparent for a lot of people what goes on over there before it used to be 
very not I'm not going to say clandestine, but certainly behind closed doors because it used to be just really the PGA Network that would be at these events. But now it's kind of expanded out into a behemoth um, and has made it very obvious to a lot of people what the work that goes in from a tourism perspective to get people to specific areas in the country and to fill tea times and to fill hotels and to fill pubs and restaurants and all that. So there was a really cool thing there, actually a company from the North called pub pub Oak. You might've seen it where they have basically created the world's smallest pub. Um, And for 80 grand, you can have the coolest little bar that you've ever seen. It's come out of this, like there's probably been a million of them in lockdown built in people's backyards, but they've really done it in a really cool way. And it was like the star of the show over there. Um, they sold loads of them, like absolutely loads. And they had a bell there every time they sold one. Jeez, it was like kind of living beside a church at one stage that every hour the bell was going mental. So they had a great old time of it over there, featured on Sports Illustrated Golf Channel. So yeah, so it was kind of cool to see a very Irish idea do really well over there. And it kind of brought to light though the the... I'm not going to say the wealth of some of the clubs over there. They just drop at the drop of a hat. We'll pick up one of these things, but they certainly aren't the the cheapest way of doing things. But um, yeah, those guys have done really, really well. So yeah, it was pretty cool night to be honest. Was it like a Shivin type of thing, or exactly that, exactly that, but really well done. Like, well, you step into it now, and it's like the coolest little place you've ever. Think of the best, probably your favorite pub, and it's probably something similar to this. It's not like kind of just bolted together. It's very very cool they look like little starters huts i think is probably the best way to describe them okay. but fully kitted out kind of guinness taps uh like whiskey um whiskey optics all that kind of thing all ready to go and it's basically you pay the money and you get like a ready-made bar good to go so it might be one now for your um that, that'd be a good wedding present to yourselves to stick in your backyard probably wouldn't fit in ours now to be honest i don't know if it would fit in my backyard now either well, sure. After you put in your golf simulator and your putting, that's it. Like, there's already so many things I can fit in one small garden, you know. Yeah. So yes. So got back on Saturday. So kind of itching to play a bit of golf now back here and uh, get out and see see St Anne's and see what's going on up there. And you're playing on Friday. Uh, yeah, we are. Yep. I just got a message last week saying that it's booked in. So I was like, Grant, who am I to argue with that? Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, you're off man, Julia, don't you? I am, yeah. So going down Thursday night, going to go play Friday, Saturday, just with a couple, couple of members and um, just try and keep the birdie challenge continuing, you know. You I, do I get to help in this or is this like a, a complete solo now that you're going to? I, don't I feel like you, I don't you can, could can. do it. I think you could do it pretty easily. So I feel like it's more of a challenge if it's solely on my, you can try it. Well, I, I feel like we'll you'll see. do it a lot faster than I will. After my lesson this evening now at Neil, it might might be a little bit further away than both of us may have hoped. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! So what yeah, you you had a lesson with Neil O'Brien? What were you what were you doing with him? Uh, everything. Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> nothing too drastic, so nothing nothing too drastic. Just everything changed. Um, yeah, no, look, Neil's good. Doesn't take doesn't try and get you to bite off too much, but um, there's a fair there's a fair bit to be eaten now. It's like. How do I eat an elephant with this thing? It's like one thing at a time. Okay, very good. And so anything particular yeah. that you are working on? Uh, not hitting it really far right. <laughs> okay. So no, just a, a couple a couple of small things that will hopefully make a big difference just on like face path. That was basically all we were working on all night. And yep, out at the war hole and the mat and the range and drying them to be honest. So We'll, we'll see if it bears any kind of a fruit over the next while. I'd say it'll be, it's, it's more of a long-term thing. So it's not going to, not going to probably kick in for a while. I just have to kind of grind this one out a little bit. Oh, I've been that soldier. I know how that feels. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm starting yeah. to come out the so, other end of it. So, yeah. So that'll be, that'll be me for the next while. And look, it's the right, it's the right time of year to do it. Mm, definitely. is. definitely. Is. We're, all, golf we're all, we're comf- all, it's the time yeah. to be doing all that stuff. We're all confined to the driving ranges at the moment. So, mm. so you mentioned um, Dubai was on at a good time for you. Did you get much to get to watch any of it from Florida? I did um, watch most of it li- uh, pretty much live, um, or even delay a bit of delayed coverage because I was picking up a fair bit from um, a fair bit from Tory as well. 
at the same time and from uh, Boca Rio for the LPGA. So it was like <laughs> I had a wall-to-wall golf watching week. There was a um, lot of golf. It was really yeah, good. I liked it. It was a lot of really good golf. So, um, yeah, Dubai. Um, wow. What? Like mental. Like what a mental last round. What a mental last nine holes. Yeah, I mean, do we want to start straight with the, with the Rory stuff or do you want to talk about the fact that Victor Hovland was actually unbelievable and played really well? Well, like, like let's face it, Hovland went in his last four holes, birdie, eagle, birdie, birdie, and one of those was obviously the playoffs. So he, like, how good, how good is that to, to finish off? Um, just an absolute weapon of a of a player when he gets going like he had to put himself was what came from six back yeah and shot the lights out in the last round had all the momentum going in and got into the playoff and dusted Richard Bland now in fairness I did feel really sorry for Richard Bland he picked up a stinker of a lie in the playoff um when he went long left and yeah just couldn't get up and down to 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 match Hovland's birdie and Hovland ran away with it in his usual ever so smiley fashion. He was interviewed by Tim Barcher at the end and like was apologetic because he's Richard Tim's Bland's boy. Yeah. Tim's coach or uh, Richard Bland's coach. Uh, and it just kind of that's what he's like, I suppose, isn't he? Probably just a nice just a nice fella and up to like third in the world now. Like sneaky good. Well, he's not sneaky. Not he's so just sneaky. Very, I mean, like, he's we've kind of been talking about him for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, like he's put in, like, God, that man has won some amount of cash over the past four months. Like between uh, Albany and there, I think it's like about two and a half, three million quid in, in that space of time. With two, in that, that's just two tournaments. Never mind what he's done on the on the PGA Tour elsewhere. And he's just had a, had a great old time of it. Yeah. I think even... He got a lot of criticism a few years ago, I guess in his first two years on tour for not being great around the greens in terms of chipping. But he seems to really have stepped it up. Now in terms of um, the last couple of holes in uh, in regulation play, he didn't necessarily need to rely on his chipping that much at all. Driving 17 and then obviously going with the big drive off of 18 to have a five iron into mm. the green for 18 to make the birdie putt. Um, but he, I think he's kind of He's brought his game on now to where, like, if you look at the top three, it's what John Ram, Morikawa, Hovland. Like, that's mm-hmm. a really, really exciting top three to watch. Yeah, they are. And I suppose Ram was there, thereabouts during the week as well, kind of showing what he can do on tough courses. Um, Morikawa was a little bit off, obviously, over in, um, over in Dubai. Like, I don't think he expected to be to be where he was to be honest no um which was a bit strange considering how well he uh, how how well he did like finished top top 20 but well but didn't really feature at all kind of reversed himself into a top 20 really um and then it, it's odd that we're we're talking about this but all we can wait to talk about is is Rory to be honest because like let's face it he provided all of the entertainment um like in a in a very different way like or sorry he provided all the drama whereas Hovland probably provided a lot of the entertainment yeah I think Hovland and Richard Bland were very entertaining to watch in the last few last few hours like Richard Bland to be fair to him came up from about the three, four shots back to, to play back, his way yeah. into it as well. And, you know, you can see what it meant to him when he made that put on 18 in regulation to get the 12 under. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was really, really entertaining to watch. But, it, yeah, it was all, it was Roy's to lose, I think, from Saturday, realistically. And he did. Yeah. Do you want to get into this? Or, or like, I put the tweet out there and I got bloody... Well, ninety nine percent of people agree with me, um, except one percent. But it, hap- it happened to be in a, a major. It ha- yeah, really, unfortunately, happened to be a major winner who dis- disagreed with me. Yeah, so my, Michael Campbell really gave you gave you both of his barrels um, in in his in his response. But I suppose bit of context. So obviously, guys are making moves all around Rory coming down the stretch and very obvious that he was going to have to play his way into the into the playoff 
um, ultimately kind of sitting on the, the playoff mark going on to 17 and hiked on left miles left into this kind of it's a mad kind of a weedy grass bushy kind of stuff they have over there but really really thick it's like um do you know what it's actually like a rose do you know like a rose stalk it's that kind of texture to it okay quite, yeah quite thick like and he caught a lie in fairness out of it and he he was he was good entertainment all week on the mics to be honest and yeah. this this provided another bit of entertainment because he described like this could go fucking anywhere <laughs> trying to get people to have to to get back out of the way uh made a bit of a miracle for our part on 17 chipped it out and got up and down so like you're just thinking fine coming down it's a relatively short par five the last dog legs left and over water before we get so, on, to, on to 18 do you think driver mm, was to play on 17 to go for it like yeah. He did if he oh yeah it? yeah so do yeah, I. I, yeah, think, like, I just think that was a bad swing yeah like that that was definitely everyone had done it like Everyone like Bar. Well, I think Bland didn't. Richard Bland. He just didn't, didn't have the length to do it. Um, like, see, this where it's different. Like, driver there gets him up by the green, no matter yeah. where he hits it. If he hits a lot, like he was, he still was only like forty yards away from the green where he was. It just happened to be forty yeah. yards left. Um, like he blocks it right. He's still got a shot. That at three hundred and ten or whatever yards is is always the play there yeah. for for the, his length. Now, bearing in mind that Hovland had, to give you a bit of context on 18, Hovland had hit driver and had left himself like kind of four iron, five iron kind of five distance left, five iron in. Like he had hiked one over the corner. Rory's like big, high toe turn and draw bomb would have been the ideal play here, but he had obviously kind of snapped on a bit left and maybe thought like if he did go left it was trouble and if you do block it right with driver you're trouble long right so he chose three wood and blocked it uh to the point now to give you a bit of context where richard bland was in the playoff richard bland had 230 in and he had just hit driver kind of dead straight over the, over the corner whereas rory's left mm. with 267 now i will say paul casey i'd say is oh not going to get God. a fucking Christmas card from Rory because he took fucking ages to finish. He was so slow all day. Yeah, so Rory had been standing on shots on 17. He stood on the driver and on the tee shot on, on 18 for two, three, four minutes, maybe a bit more. Yeah. Blocked it right, as I said. <clears throat> found the fairway with three wood, but miles back. Again, I don't know what case he was doing, hacking his way around up there. Um. Casey stuck it in the water, actually. That was what he happened. Did, yeah. And obviously he had to take a drop, took ages to get to finish off. So Rory was standing on this. Now he on this shot at 267, full like it's all carry over water. Bail out bail out is left. Yeah. And with anywhere, mud on the ball as well. Yeah. Which, which is my the, biggest point. Well, there was a little speck, like he probably was getting he's gonna hit it hard enough that it, it that, that mud is gonna disappear instantaneously. So the mud obviously wasn't an issue, but the standing over it was, considering he had had a squirrely one on 17 with driver. He's already after blocking a three-wood off the tee, and here he's left with a shot which has to carry water, and the only option, the only one that you can't do is be short or right. Um, and 267, the wind was into off the right, uh, decided on three wood and it, like it didn't even come close. Like no. when we say like it landed in the middle of the lake. Um, was it can Rory McIlroy pull off that shot? And everyone, people were like eight out of ten times Rory's going to do that. And we were like, yeah, eight out of ten times, totally. Yeah. In yeah, within the realms of walk like, up no, to it, take walk your, up to it, hit take it. your measurements and do your routine. Yeah, not coming up the last. It's like, Absolutely. There, I have no i've absolutely no doubt in rory's ability to actually hit the shot like none at all like he, he like he could probably do it in his sleep but was it the right thing to do at the time and to me like the answer is categorically no because he, like he just had to make part to get into the playoff he had did he have more chance of making birdie bearing in mind how that green is quite not very receptive to kind of to three woods or to, to getting woods. You could see woods coming into the green. You could even see his wedge shot that he hit after he dumped the, the ball in yeah. the water from the drop zone. 
Like it didn't actually, there was no action on it. It's actually kicked on. So best case scenario there, if he was on the flag, it was going to end up in the rough behind the green with a tricky up and down or in the or bunker. Or into the bunker, yeah. Now we know he can get out of the bunker there. He has done that to win the tournament. But the percentage play was, look, surely just take bogey out of the equation and totally. take, your, take your chances with your wedge. He didn't. He, he went for it. And like... I think everyone was just kind of praying for that Nike t-shirt to his because if he was angry with himself at the DP World Championship, like I, I was sure he was going to snap that club as well. Like, I thought he was going to snap head. it. Yeah. yeah, he put it behind his head and then it, it looked like he was going to do it. And he was like, oh, I'd say all he was thinking of was the grief he got after tearing the shirt. And I didn't see, so missed out in the playoff. Bland and Hovland went down the last birdie beat par and Hovland won with Rory kind of left kind of lingering back. I don't know in the scores or wherever he, um, he, he left straight away. Did he, re- did he leave straight away? He yeah. Left straight away. Cause I haven't seen any, he I, didn't do any press. He, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised gone. at that. He just got, just went. So that, that was, it was just like, don't like, I, we talked about Harry or we talk about caddying or strong caddying. I, I have no problem with, with Harry Diamond like at all. I'm not on the Harry brigade yeah. to, to bash him, but it's like Rory, he's experienced enough to, to know that, look, this probably haven't hit the last couple well. Um, this is going to have to be something akin to what I did in the K Club, which is a very different scenario where he was chasing. Yeah. Everyone said that they're like, well, he did it back in the K Club. He had two five. Yeah, he did, but he, he had to make one to tie. He had make make one to get one back, and then tied it, and then went for it on the last. Very different shot. Two forty five foot over water, and he could put it in. Completely different scenario, if you ask me. Where yeah. the natural bailout with the wood is to your right, um, and a much easier shot in in my mind compared to what he what he had left like the problem really was the amount of length he, he left himself by not hitting driver um and then the lack of probably awareness on or humble is it humbleness or word humility. Just, yeah humbleness humility there you go uh, that's the jet lag talking we'll let you away with that one. thanks very much uh yeah just the lack of cop on to not actually hit the shot that he thought you needed to hit um because he didn't need to do it yeah i think and so the, f- the few people that did come back to me and said like oh like roy's a winner his mentality is to yeah. win at all costs and go for the you know the glorious mm-hmm. victory my the, what i just think of every time someone says that is like if you look at the elite teams, like if you look at Leinster or Dublin GAA, we'll take two Irish examples because obviously Irish and most of our audience is Irish. They play the percentage play. Dublin are famous for drowning teams in hand passes because they're more accurate and the percentage of making hand passes is much higher than kick passes. You got much more control. Leinster very, very rarely make the high risk play. They play very simple plays. Mm-hmm. which come off well and that always yields and, and results in in them winning and has done and they've they're the most successful irish team in that situation rory needed to play the percentage play yeah. i think the second he hit three wouldn't saw where he was he needed to go right wedge wedge short pitch on like if he leaves himself a 12 footer like he made five unbelievable putts that day his putting was so mm-hmm. good You'd back yourself of all days to back yourself with Roy McIlroy to make a putt. That was the day to back yourself to make a putt. Um, and then if you miss, you make the par and you go, okay, cool. There's one more chance to do this again. Mm-hmm. Like that's like just, it, it just seemed to me like just statistically a really, really poor decision. Yeah. As I don't care say, how you win. I don't care if Roy makes exactly. an unbelievable three wood and it does land like six feet from the hole. But great, cool. Good for you. If he pitches short, chips on and makes the birdie hook, great, good for you, you won. Don't care how he wins, I care that he wins. Yeah, and imagine what the story would have been had Rory laid up and wedged in close and got the putt. It would be like, this is how he's matured into 
this is going to kick Rory on now, realizing that he doesn't have to hit a three wood from two sixty seven to win. He can wedge in close, like put an eight, put a put a go wedge wedge. Like that's the distance. Let's face it. Like he wedge one hundred fifty yards and then another wedge one hundred ten. Like that's all he has to do to to make sure he gets there. And look, go win the tournament. Don't try and win the hole over. That's not that's not the goal. There was seventy one other holes to to do all of that kind of thing. You tried it on 17, got away with it, maybe kind of go, right, okay. Couple, as I said, a couple of squirrely ones. Um, and then take and then take your chance in the playoff. Get that driver out and absolutely match play it to death and hammer it. Um and, and see, take your chances that way. Um, yeah, it just just a strange one. Just probably just too much risk for too little effectively i I felt for too little reward given given how that hole was playing when people were hitting that kind of club in i didn't think you were necessarily going to get very well rewarded uh from that distance back um others were because they were playing from an awful long way forward bland's bland's as i said second shot in the playoff she hit long left was 237 in i think it was so and then um and then Victor's was, Hovland's was in around the 210 mark. So 210, 220 mark. So they were going to get the reward and it was worth more worthwhile for them. Whereas look, very different scenario for Rory and, and it's a playoff as well. So you really do go for it um, and, and take your chances that way. But yeah, given, given what was at stake, given where he was sitting tied for the lead to bogey that last with, with that kind of a shot is ugh, annoying. As I'm sure he is stewing on it currently. Oh yeah, I'm sure no one is more annoyed than than he is. Maybe oh yeah, Harry is pretty probably pretty annoyed at missing out on that commission. <laughs> I think yeah. Rory made like four hundred eighty something thousand, four hundred eighty thousand. When this check was one point two million or something, I think. Yeah, like that's like basically the, the cost of a million quid, give or take. Um, yeah, it's an expensive pill to swallow. Yeah. I think it's funny as well, like before Abu Dhabi, Roy in a press conference was talking about playing more conservatively, like hitting, <laughs> hitting less drivers off the tee. Yeah. And he like referred to Tiger and the fact that Tiger didn't hit that many drivers off the tee. He would hit iron when he like most of the time. And then when he had to, he could pull that miracle shot off. It's just, it's just that, <laughs> it was that's where he thought the TV, take your own advice. Like, it's yeah, just, well, that, that's where he, that's where he thought that look, this is, this is what separates me. This is where I can hit this. And it just, maybe at given that moment, like, yeah, sir, like 270 is a long, long, long way. Even if he absolutely nuts that three wood, like with the way that wind was blown, like he, he, he obviously has it. it like, I, my, my tweet was that just because he can hit three woods to make birdie, to put himself or to, to win the tournament doesn't mean he should hit three woods from 270 to win the tournament there are different ways of doing it yeah. um especially especially how that course was playing um, i was talking to a friend of mine and I, I i equated it to like that's like saying that every time johnny sexton gets the ball on the 60 yard line he should he should go for the drop goal because he can like, yeah well, we've, we've no, seen like, him do it yeah but like just because he can doesn't mean it's the right move no like absolutely not and there's more there's, there's a there's a more calculated way of doing things and this time i like i'd love to see the shot percentage like what is what are and i'm sure it's there somewhere like what are the statistics of that shot yielding a birdie versus a hundred yard wedge shot of yielding of yielding a birdie given how that hole was playing or how it had played over the week um i i'd say you'd you'd imagine it would favor kind of Going in with a wedge and, and trying to get up and or trying to trying to put certainly get up and down to get into the get into the playoff then. Especially from that distance. And like to that point, Rory had played 17 and 18 all week in even par. So it's not like yeah. going for it every single time the last the three days prior had yielded some kind of unbelievable results. Like mm-hmm. everyone else was playing those two holes under par all week. Yeah. Um like Rory probably could have looked at that beforehand but maybe could have yeah his par five statistics were pretty abysmal to be honest uh during the week or and look at this didn't this certainly didn't lend itself to uh, to 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 a shot that or to uh to a scoring profile from the week that, that would have indicated that he was in a good, gonna be in a good spot 
And and maybe it is just taking just one too many chances. And and look what happens. So it's all Paul Casey's fault. It's really, so, is really the answer to it all. I would say now he's absolutely fucking fuming with Paul Jason, to be honest. Yeah, I think even from like the momentum side of, you know, just hitting the ball and walking up to another ball and then going three process just to get himself, because he likes to play fast. I would have yeah. thought even laying up would have lended to getting himself into that routine yep. again to then finish out the hole. Um, it's, yeah, it's just the psychology of it is just... Treat. yeah to me to me it just oh it was it would have been very very frustrating then again he's his number six in the world and we're not so yeah I look mean, that's very, why it's very easy to, to, to talk about it from this side of the microphone compared yeah. to playing it. and i did make the point of saying that to a few people that look it's very easy for us to say these things i'm not hitting three what's 270 yards <laughs> so that makes makes a lot of sense to be honest. Um, yeah, I was, I was trying to look up actually where he featured. He, he actually featured okay strokes gained off the tee as well. So he was obviously driving it quite well. Um, just it oh, just just didn't work out for him. Just didn't work out for him. Yeah. Oh, well, it, all that really matters is nine weeks time. Let's be honest. April, that's all, like, that's all that he cares about. That is, yeah, there you go. So he'll, uh, he can rest easy knowing that he has got this out of his system now. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Knowing that, that's obviously this happened in Dubai the last time he was here in the Tour Championship when Morikawa won. Um, it'd be nice for him to get those two near misses out of his system before Augusta now. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, let's exactly. Just, let's just play free. Yeah, exactly. And he can lay up in all the parfois in Augusta if he wants to. <laughs> Which he will definitely not do. No. Zach Johnson, he isn't. I don't know what else there is we talk about. Um, Leon McGuire, actually, sorry, I, I know exactly what I was talking about. LPGA yes. has kicked back off again with the game bridge. Um, Leon McGuire opened their, her account with a tied for 27th, and Stephanie Meadow opened with a tied for 57th, if I remember off the top of my head correctly. Um, good for them to be just getting back out of thing. Obviously, the week before that was the Tournament of the Champions, so... Uh, neither of them were featuring in that. So this is the first event back of this new season for them. So we're mm-hmm. still we're still bullish on Leona. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, kind of a few glimpses of what potentially she could do. I think she's fairly um, the I suppose the the cloak of anonymity or the surprise package element is mm. completely busted on her now. That's a completely busted flush for her. She is not going to be anonymous anymore. Um, she, she's, she's been doing a lot of media. Yeah. Featuring on every golf podcast. Every golf podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but like she, it has been ba- like, I think people have realized she's very, very media savvy. Obviously she's knows the U S media in depth because she spent an awful lot of time there. Um, which has we should be I suppose she's wise to it probably realizes that probably not a bad idea to be getting out in front of all of these people now and getting in front of cameras and getting all the sponsors as, as much uh, as much airtime as she possibly can and and she's very good on on camera and she's very good with her audio and she's like she's look an easy interview to listen to as well which is great so now is this was the time for her to capitalize on all of this um she kind of had a, a just a very solid week i think did she finish about level par in and around that kind of she was always kind of flirting in around level par one under one over kind of thing um just a nice opening tournament really she didn't do a huge amount of kind of damage to her reputation anyway put it that way or there'll be nothing no. there that would indicate this, that the last year was a bit of a fluke, a nice solid opener, really. Um, and she'll kick on now to to in a schedule that's, that's fairly jam packed, actually, for all of them. Um, I think they're they're staying down in Florida this week. Um, yeah, one more week, one more week down there, and then they're off around on the basically the, the traveling circus starts to to continue. Did you watch it on Thursday? So she was in featured group coverage with Madeline Sackstrom. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that I really liked, that the LPGA is obviously like stepping up their coverage. And Madeline was actually mic'd up 
for her entire round, mm-hmm. which is great. So you could hear conversations between her and her caddy, Irishman, Shane Codd. Shane Codd, yeah. Um, which, was, which was always really, really nice to see. And um, it was uh, like just more of that. That's, that stuff was really good for just standard TV broadcast. Yeah. My access to that and seeing little bits of extra insight from your feature group. Yeah, that was great. Um, about that. Yeah, that was, that was so good. I think they've probably adopted an awful lot of that stuff way better than the men's game to be honest um in terms of access to in terms of access to what they're saying on the course they're realizing that that is kind of the stuff that people want to listen to that's the stuff they want to get involved in um and, and it separates them from the men's game because the only time we really hear that is in the most stupid invitational things that that we kind of are afflicted with every so often um and it's funny as well like you could tell at one point i think madeline forgot that she was mic'd up or just didn't care and she hit, hit a chip shot which made it like halfway to the hole and she was like that was a fucking terrible swing <laughs> and like said it like three or four times and the guys just let her away with it you're like cool that was really uh, that was great just like a little bit of humanity but also that she then just laughed it off and shane was like yeah, yep. it was. It, it wasn't was great. Bad. <laughs> it wasn't great. Um, it was also, I think, one of the chats, one of the big chats over in the US at the time, and it was picked up on Golf Channel probably a bit more than it was probably picked up on Sky Sports. And it's about the like the US Women's Open in June. Um, so the prize purse for that has actually been increased to ten million. Yeah. Um, which is just like monstrous. Um, by any tournament's stretch. But put to put into context, the kind of average person on the European tour last year was between one and a half and two and a half million. Um, that just gives you an idea on on where the on where the women's game in in the US is at the moment. Like I'm looking down through the purses. If you're looking at what they were playing for last week, um, like it was one point seven million quid. Like exactly what the what the guys in the well, European yeah. tour were okay. were paying were playing in a lot of tournaments. So yeah, so it's nice to see that. I think the open, the women's open, is up to seven million, seven million dollars. So like, there is an awful lot of money out there to be played for. Great time to be Leona Maguire if you're favourite for a load of these tournaments. Um, time to cash in. I'm telling you guys, the open, she's gonna win the women's open. That would be tidy. That would be a lot of moolah. An awful Put all the money. money. Bet the house. Yeah, <laughs> bet, bet the one million. Yeah, like for. Put a put a hedge in against yourself and take a sh- take a or take 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 a short option on yourself for the for the money. Put it down, bet it, and see if you can win it back. Yeah. Will you watch any of the uh, week golf this week? So John Murphy and Seamus Power are actually playing the AT and T Pebble Beach. They are. Um, did you obviously you you were hard at work last week, so you didn't quite get to have a chat with Seamus. Did you have a listen to it? I certainly did. Um, loved like I, I. I'm just. I was fascinated with the chats around kind of Monday cues and that kind of world because that's where I think is just all of the entertainment. Like yeah, yeah. Like I think that's the place to to go for like awful stories of hardship and general like misery. <laughs> from a golf perspective, <laughs> because that tends to be slightly more entertaining than lads going out winning millions and millions and millions and luckily like there's there's the story of someone coming out the far side of it um and as you're saying like your level par after five holes in um in a monday queue and that's it your day is done like you may as well genuinely walk off the course to save your own time yeah. um whereas you're saying the difference now is like one over two four or five like he's grand now he doesn't mind it anymore whereas even the mentality shift of if he did get into a tournament and was one over through five, and this was his only chance maybe for another few weeks that all of a sudden it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot easier for him to play. And that that's kind of what I took out of it. Um, and then it was just a lovely, just a lovely chat um, to, to listen into and just such a, such a nice fella, such a humble guy. Um, I feel like we already scratched the surface of the session that went on in Waterford. I'd say that like was... There's lots of stories that can't, cannot be shared. I'd say, so I'd say that. I know the members bought that club down there, but I'd say God has a few stories now to be told. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a good good chat. I thought his... Um, like what you're talking about there, about having the freedom to play um, with just a little bit of security, that reference he made to if he's playing in like a game with Dustin Johnson and he's got some water to carry and DJ just dunks it. 
DJ is like that DJ is fine whereas Seamus brings the layup or whatever into mm-hmm. play and suddenly he's like I'm actually playing for my livelihood here <laughs> yeah DJ is so yeah um having that kind of security for him is, is great and I think like from the, the sense that I got from chatting to him is that this is really like the start of what will be a very very good year for him because obviously he yeah. had a great finish to last season but then like the fall series like the, he did very very well with those four events as well and then carried it into uh Kaplu and sony so yep and whatever he, he's drinking you know keep. and yeah so he's out at um He's out at the AT&T with a fairly um, fairly decent lineup as well when I was looking at the fields that are going through. So John Murphy is there, and I think I think there was a fair few phone calls happening across the um, across the golf airways from Irish golf uh, connected or people connect very highly connected in the Irish golf community, I think, to to get John the the invite out there. And, and I think it all it all came well. Interesting enough, I was chatting to Stephen Walsh, and he was actually on the playing reserve for the AT and T. Should anyone pull out, um, either on the pro or the amateur side, uh, which is an interesting one. He has a, quite a close relationship with the tournament director Steve John, so that would have been interesting if if someone had actually pulled out last minute. He could be the one to, to actually get in, which would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, this this tournament is obviously kind of half the bill murray show he's the one that you hmm. always see that that's there and i think seamus as well has a fairly good pairing too um in terms of in terms of who he's with so i think he's got someone who's playing with him that's probably going to leave him be as opposed to kind of dragging too much uh like trying to drag too much information out of him if you know what i mean i think he, he'll probably be left to uh to try and go and, and do well yeah uh, given given his current form which which makes a whole lot of sense no, it's great. I, yeah, delighted for for Seamus, and I'm also delighted to see John over there getting his opportunity to play on the PGA Tour. And it's just also just it's the kind of event where you would say, from the outside looking in, it's a very good networking event. Oh yeah, given this the pro am nature of it. Yeah, and there's a fair bit that happens around this tournament uh, from like a hosting perspective, just kind of and not corporate dues as such, but. A lot of the who's who in, in U.S. golf have properties there and host maybe a drinks evening one of the nights leading up to the tournament, which there he's probably been encouraged to go and speak to the right people. I would imagine and yeah. hope that like and bear in mind like his profile is actually technically an awful lot stronger in the U.S. than it is in Ireland, given like his five years over there and the success in the in in the college on the college scene there and obviously Walker Cup being in Seminole when it was there and he obviously played so well so like his yeah as I said his profile in the US is very very strong so that's the PGA Tour um the European Tour I imagine is going to get fairly overshadowed by the Saudi International but the Raz Al Khaimah Championship presented by Phoenix Capital in honor of the United Arab Emirates uh, is on this week. Uh, let's just see who's in the field for this. Uh, Johnny Caldwell is in. Um, Cormac Sharvin is in. Uh, from an Irish perspective, the lads. Um, so it's that. It's it's effectively like an alternate event, uh, as you would not. I suppose as you would normally have it. The the if if you take that this Saudi event is pretty nearly acting like a major, and is attracting all of the <laughs> the bigger names. Um from both tours so i think cork harrington is there cormac sharvin is there um johnny caldwell is there so i think oh, there yeah that it's it's that kind of um uh that kind of field so kind of a very standard normal european tour european tour event um for significantly less money than they were playing for last week is it less money yes two mil Total. Okay, well, yeah, well, yeah, last week was a Rodex event, so that was awesome. yeah, yeah. Oh, Tom McKibben's in as well. Oh, so, that's yeah. great. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it's it's a lot less money. I think it's two million in the prize pot this week, and I think they're actually there two weeks, if I'm not. They wrong. are, yeah. I think they're, they're there two weeks in a row, aren't they? Indeed, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, and it'll probably be the same field, so it's basically like <laughs> an eight rounder <laughs> in one tournament, and then they're off to India, then. So, yep, that's that, and then. Yes, said Saudi's on, so 
let's see how much money the really rich lads in golf can go and win again or take home again. Yeah, win, just take home. Just take home. Uh, will you watch it? Does that have a matter of interest? Oh, yeah, definitely. Really? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, don't really think I'll be arsed. <laughs> <laughs> there are good times. Like, they're on early in the morning. Like, I'll, it's, I'll it's, watch it. finishes early. For sure, but just because there's Irish interest. I also like, I know Shane is in the Saudi thing, but. Yeah. Um, won't be watching. Like, I probably have more interest in watching the Saudi event than I would for say the at and um, I did see an interesting quote today it was from the Daily Mail so take this with a pinch of salt reliable uh, source of reliable, like a reliable source of information uh, that Ian Poulter has been offered 22 million a year to join that tour that's the so um, that's the what live golf the Greg live Norman golf Greg Norman yeah. Saudi back 10 event thing. series yeah Jesus, you must be desperate if you give an Ian Poulter twenty-two million to show. Can you imagine what someone that people like is <laughs> have been offered? Yeah, but then again, I get like he'd have to hang out with people like Bryson and um, Jason Kokrak, who are sponsored by Golf Saudi. Like Jason Kokrak, <laughs> wow, cheapers. Yeah, he'd yeah, be, he'd be in pretty good company, I think. Yeah, like surely. He's no more room for a sponsor on his t-shirt at this stage. God knows he looks like he sold his soul. Walter's mad into the F1 though, so that's probably where he gets that from. Yeah, that's true. He I probably wants to every part of me. Yeah, he probably wants to look like a Formula One guy. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't think I'll I don't think I'll watch the Saudi Arabia event. I don't even know what channel it's on, to be honest. But I'll, I'm sure I'll track it down. It's probably on something obscure like CNN or something like that. It's on Golf Channel. It's on Golf Channel. Yeah, okay. so it's putting um so on, I don't know what Sky Sports is doing, but Golf Channel's putting the women on their streaming service, and right. they're putting the European Tour on Red Button or Tape Delay or something, and then obviously eighteen D's at a different time. So, right. So I think we have yeah, now we've DP World Tour and the PGA on Sky Sports. So I'm sure we're going to have to track it down. It'll probably take a bit of watching um, for us to to see it. Which might, might might not be a bad thing. That'll probably influence my um my, my decision as to whether I even have a go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully it'll be a good chance for the likes of um Cormac and Tom to to do well and actually kind of get a bit of a run together for those guys on your Yep. Yep, definitely. Um I was actually chatting to Neil when we were in the lesson today and he was saying that he we he played the three courses for the ATT last week. Um, oh yeah, he and Donald Gleeson do that thing every year, don't they? Every year, yeah. So he said the place is just magnificent, like so so good. Um, the, do you know the history of the what the AT and T Pell Beach and that it was obviously it used to be yeah, uh, what was it, Bing Crosby's event? Mm-hmm. So he, he he was it was called the Bing Crosby Clambake Clambake, yeah. Um, which is actually where the name the Bogeyman came from for me anyway because there was a book by george plimpton called the bogeyman and it was based all around starting at the clambic the clambic exactly and it's, it's got a wild history it's like, like it's worth looking into for anyone that's that's interested in it like it's just in terms of it was just basically just a piss up for big crosby and his mates and then yep. became slightly more official as it started out being a who's who of celebrities and then eventually golfers when golfers became less of like it's less seen as laborers and more seen as like athletes Enter- and entertainers. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about this really cool, um, like just transition point when golf became a bit more of an entertainment product and less of like a working man's job. Yep. And then Bill Murray came and ruined it all. <laughs> <laughs> and no, and actually interestingly enough, like Bill Bing Crosby's grandson, was the U.S. Walker Cup captain in for the um for the game that just went in Seminole? Okay, to give you a bit of context, Nathaniel Crosby, what a name! That's a good name, very good name. So he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was actually a golfer in fairness, and was like U.S. amateur champion. Bought, played on loads of Walker Cup teams. Um, he's actually his son, um, Ben Crosby's son, and yeah, so it's not like he's just 
there because of his name. He actually was a pretty decent golfer. So, but you would be, I suppose, if your dad did nothing else but play golf. Yeah. Or the a large proportion of his life. So yeah. So looking at that, have a look at Neil Breen's Instagram to see what the course looks like because it looks pretty special. What did Neil say about the course? Like, how is it? Oh, it's just saying unbelievable, and it's sure it's just pebble. So just pure, right? just pure as pure as pure. It's said it's not like a U.S. Open setup by any stretch. Um, it's all a bit wider. It's all a bit friendlier. Uh, greens are still lightning. He said for, across all of the courses. Um, Monterey, uh, Spyglass. I think he said Spanish Bay, and obviously Pebble itself. So he's um, he the poor old devil. He's had a he's had a tough old time of it. So. Thoughts and prayers about him. Yeah. Getting to play those three courses the week, then, the week yeah. before, the week before the week pedal. before, and then he gets to spend his Tuesday evening with me <laughs> walloping balls around the driving range. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! That's like the same experience, really. <laughs> yeah. the, the fresh, fresh air. Oh, yeah. The, oh, there's a few fresh airs, <laughs> there's nearly a few of them, too. So, yeah, so no, that'll, that'll be the this week's entertainment. Very good. Um, I'm not sure there's much else to cover. We've covered off the Rory stuff. People are going to have their opinions on that. People yeah. think we're right. People will think we're wrong. There so, is no um, right and wrong. Yeah. Well, there is. Just opinions. <laughs> Just opinions. Um, and the Quack Lads are nearly back in business. Oh yeah, I saw their stuff. Like I saw the posts. Um, there, there's some nice camouflage polos coming out that. I'm a big fan of the camouflage design, so yeah, you, you won't even see me coming. It'd be great. <laughs> just, just be a floating head. <laughs> um, yep. So I guess when they when they launch their new gear, guys, you will hear all about it from our side as well. Obviously, we have renewed that partnership with the guys for the coming year. Um, we love we love the boys. We love what they do. We love what they stand for. Um, we had a chat with them a couple of weeks ago about their plans for the year. We told them about our plans, and needless to say, it'll be an exciting twelve months for everyone sure well uh thanks guys we will be back weekly from now on now there's plenty of golf to be talked about as long as rory keeps hitting in the water we'll have loads to talk about so pop back next week and see who else does it so thanks guys for listening and we'll chat to you next week on the tee jack nicholas this is the minute the millions around the world have waited for we will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory.